May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. This week's episode, we will have the second half of the conversation with the author of the book of poems on invisible illnesses entitled The Missing Neighbor. Here is what you can expect on this week's episode. Right now, it is called The Missing Neighbor Exhibit because it's this whole idea of the millions missing and the people who aren't seen because they're just too ill to go out. So it's our missing neighbor. I remember my mom sharing that there was somebody who would always go to these fourth of July get togethers growing up and said, Oh, she's claustrophobic and she doesn't come. And I always wondered who is that missing neighbor? In a sense, she was quote, the missing relative who wasn't showing up at the fourth of July get togethers. And it always puzzled me as a young child growing up. What is that? And getting a chance to help understand. So the missing neighbor, the missing relative, the missing coworker, who went on disability and whatever happened to them, never saw them back and often have a hard time even talking about what they're going through. People may receive a lot of stigma. This is the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I am author of the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain. I am a pediatrician and internal medicine doctor as well as a diplomat of the boards of clinical lipidology and lifestyle medicine. I also have found a fondness for helping care for those who are struggling with fibromyalgia and related problems and other invisible illnesses, including chronic fatigue syndrome, irritable bowel, migraine, and others, just to name a few. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia or related problems. It's also meant if you have a loved one struggling with these fibromyalgia and related issues. And it's also for medical doctors and others in the healthcare field grow in their understanding so they can provide top-notch care that's compassionate to those living with these struggling and invisible illnesses and often are your least favorite patients, at least in the past, on your schedule, but hopefully in the future will be some of the most rewarding patients that you see during your week. Remember that this podcast is for informational purposes. All signs and symptoms should be discussed with your own individual doctor. And now on to this week's episode where I ask Martin to share some more of his favorite poems that he's had in his book on invisible illnesses called Naked Realities. other ones that you have in there you want to share well here's one especially for your listeners who've been years or decades in dealing with it and it 
I got to tell you, I have trouble with the idea of hope. For myself, when I get hopeful, I then very quickly overdo and then crash. And so I feel like hope is a dangerous feeling. And I am much more inclined towards curiosity as a healthy way to approach our conditions. Curiosity each day, curiosity about the disease, curiosity about a possible healing that might come. Because curiosity for me does not lead to over-enthusiasm like hope does. So this one goes this way. On each anniversary of the outbreak of this illness, for a time I grow despondent. Yet again, one more year passes deep in this crevasse, staring into the rock walls of boundless fatigue. Yet one more year lost in this unending chasm with no maps or signs to direct me towards recovery. After another cycle of seasons, one after the other, I continue to gaze up, and there, along the top rim of the canyon, that ribbon of cobalt blue sky that guides my life. So can you tell me a little bit more? Well, I noticed that because October 24th is the day I had my heart attack, and every year on that day I go oh, fuck, I'm still ill. Will this ever end? And it's a, there I use the word despondent. It's some despair comes in on that day. And this image of being stuck down in a canyon, and there's fairy stories where there's the knight on horseback, and he rides into this canyon that gets narrower and narrower until the head of his horse is stuck, and he can't go anywhere. And I was thinking about those fairy stories and that image. And then from there, it's like, you can't get out, you're stuck. And all you can do is look up and then see that ribbon of blue sky above. And that's where, dare I say the word, is some hope, is seeing that blue sky above. And no matter how long I'm in the symptoms and in the condition, I have that blue sky to look to. Yeah, maybe someday. And very curious as well. There are a number of people who are in the creative arts who have one of these chronic conditions. I did a series last summer on Margaret Mitchell, who wrote Gone with the Wind. I don't know if you oh, know that, right. but yes. she has, by a retrospective analysis of her life by smart people, determined that she met the criteria for fibromyalgia, IBS, which overlaps with chronic fatigue syndrome and also coexisting ADHD and other related issues. And one of the only ways that she found respite was actually writing her book. And I thought there were some parallels where you were able to find that curiosity and she was very intelligent, like yourself, put to words one of the all-time greatest novels of the day. Yeah. And you did a great job of putting pen to paper. Did you use pen? Or were you typing on a keyboard when you I wrote type. that? <laughs> it's much less work for me to type okay. with my long hand. Okay. And uh, put that creative juices, because you were using that physically right before when you created dance. What happened for me was I realized I can't dance and I cannot get in a room and hold a group of people and take them to new places through movement. But 
I needed to do something. And I knew that I had at that time about 15 minutes a day of a clear brain. And I went every morning, I'm going to write a poem. And no matter how bad it is, I'm going to finish a poem in that 15 minutes. And so I would write it. Most of them were awful, but it didn't matter. I was doing it every day. And it nourished the whole rest of the day, just knowing that I had done that. And after a year, I had a few, about 300 of these, and I went through them all. And I realized, oh, my God, there is actually potentially a book here. It's a lot of editing and a lot of work. And so by that time, I was now start on these new medications. And rather than 15 minutes, I had an hour to an hour and a half. And then I went on this whole second round of massaging each one and seeing which ones felt the most universal, would it would talk to most people's experience. Creative for 20 minutes a day. I told you about the red circles on my calendar. Did I yeah. say, mention the blue circles? No, you didn't mention oh. any of the colors. So what, what happened after I got into the program and I got on these meds and I started having a little bit longer, I realized that at the end of some days, I had managed so well that I hadn't grieved being sick that day. And it's not like I was cured or anything, but I had just done really well that day. So I started putting blue circles around those days. And now, for the last few months, I haven't had one red circle. Actually, I've had one. But my calendar, like half of the days of February were blue circle days. And just this way of marking these were the well-nourished days. And for me, one of the foundations of that is that those few moments of being creative in the morning. There is a lot of overlap with creative illnesses, and I'm going to be interviewing. It'll be on either before or after our interview goes live with a doctor out of Vermont who has worked with a lot of people with chronic pain who also have we call neurodivergent brains. And under that umbrella include the autistic spectrum, but also that very creative and ideas and moving and under that umbrella also involves ADHD as well that plays a role. And in the book, Tamara Rozier called Your Brain's Not Broken. It's talking about neurodivergency within the realm of ADHD. And she used two lines. One is horizontal. You can look at stimulating and not stimulating on two ends. And then one is fun and one is not fun. And the struggles often are in those, what she calls yellow, are things that are not stimulating and not fun. Uh And that often ends up being the tedious boredom. It might be if you were in college writing papers, researching things that weren't interesting, studying for math tests, doing homework, tedious kind of things. It might be doing bills, et cetera. Now, red things are things that are stimulating, but not fun. And those might be working under pressure, trying to get things done. It's also very draining on the body to do tedious things. And that might be doing the dishes, making your bed, doing things that, oh, I got to get it done because it's a big pile and now I got to force myself. Blue things are things he talks about are things that are fun, but not necessarily enriching. That might be flipping through your phone, looking, flipping through a magazine, but not necessarily enriching. Green things are things that are fun and stimulating. And it sounds like dancing was a green thing for you. And writing poetry is a green thing. And of course, green representing nurturing and building. And it sounds like those blue days are days when you get a chance to have green things. And when you do something that you can be proud of in a humble way, because you've 
got something you've found fun and interesting completed that just makes you feel good and you can start to follow in those nice feedback that seemed so natural before I'm guessing when you had every day had so much green filled your day was completely green I'm guessing relatively speaking before you had your heart attack right relatively yeah I'm going to change my blue circles to green circles I don't know it sounds like a growth thing blue might be in between it's fine yourself with things I like the metaphor as a pediatrician and an internist of sometimes we just pacify ourselves with things but it's great to continue to have that how active do you track anything like your steps or activity and where you're at before you got into the program with now I don't know if that's part of pacing or activity level Physical stamina has not gone up. That's the one place. So I know, like, I can walk a couple hundred meters to the mailbox. I walk that slowly. I normally have to rest once on the way. And at the pool here where we live, they have aquafit classes and they're an hour long. And once a week, they have these super low impact classes for older people with heart trouble and knee problems. And I go to that class and I'm the youngest person in the pool. I'm the sea of white hair, but I know that I can stay for 19 minutes. And normally I go half the speed as everybody else. Yeah. But it just, it feels so good to get in that water and to move against the resistance of the water. And I can only do it once a week. I've tried going twice a week. I crash if I go twice a week. If I stay in the pool 24 minutes, I crash. And my body won't tell me that I've been in too long. So I have to look at the clock and go, okay, yeah. I've had my 19 minutes, 20 minutes most. I'm going to now go get into the little jacuzzi and watch everybody else do the rest of the class. So my stamina has not gone up, but I know where the edge is. And I try to enjoy right up to that edge as much as I can. Besides the three medications, what else have you learned or have they provided in this program that you're in stay with us we'll be right back i want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the fibromyalgia starter pack which is now available if you are new to this podcast it categorizes the episodes in a way that it's more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia you can access the link in the show notes to learn more Most of the program is courses on how to manage diet, pacing, stress, resources for financial help and community help. So a great deal of it is around management. And most of that I was already pretty good at. And so I took a few of those courses and then realized this isn't the best way to use my limited time. If I only have an hour or two out of bed each day. So I got them to just send me the slides for each of those courses. Mm -hmm. So I could go through them without having to spend the hours in class. But a lot of people there were finding it super helpful, especially people who perpetually are crashing to learn this is how to pace. And this is how to actually measure it. And it's something when you're trying to get through this, there's no magic cure. There's a multifaceted approach. There are things outside of us that make it 
harder and doing our best to blend the best of what I like to talk about medical management and lifestyle medicine, trying to incorporate all of those things to the best you can. Any other thoughts that you'd like to share with those out there who are listening? Let me read a couple more pieces from the book. Yes. Because this is somewhat in answer to what you were saying about other things to do. Today, I awake surprised, bewildered, and expecting to find myself still chronically ill. I live each day with equal measure of hope and frustration. Some days it feels that it's a mere lack of imagination on my part that I'm still ill. But this day, once again, the grim reality strikes me. This illness may last a lifetime. So I choose to arrive in my body and address each constituent body part with kind, sensual words of love as a sedative for my troubled soul. Thank you. This idea of actually not fleeing our bodies, but going to it and speaking to it lovingly. It just feels super important to me. Thank you. Here's the last one in the book, and it's titled, I Know I Will Recover. I know I will recover. Against all the evidence and all the odds, I know this to be true. My symptoms will ebb away. My cells will regenerate. I will live a life brimming with vitality, stamina, and the constitution of an ox. To not shatter into a million pieces each week, month, and year, I'm compelled and duty-bound to hold and trust this to be true. Thank you. There's a nice way to finish the book. Yeah. And it doesn't have naive hope in that poem. Yeah. And I think you mentioned in an earlier poem in the book about many people offering solutions, cures, and have you tried? Well meaning. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried? And um and unfortunately too, and part of why I wanted to write the book and also do the podcast is one is to get a chance for people like yourself who are living through this to have their voice heard to other people because I get emails from people around the world who are listening and to just know, oh, there's another person out there who's going through this because many people feel isolated. They're masking tremendously living with this. And often when they have shared their story, it hasn't been honored received in the best fashion. Also, the podcasts in the book are because many people often are prey to people who are predatory, offering snake oil type solutions that don't necessarily have great benefit, but people are so desperate and there isn't this special magic potion that's going to cure you. If there was, it would be out there. And that's the battle when you're living with a chronic illness like this is that there isn't this cure that we have per se, the magic one cure. And I think even in the medical world that leaves many of the medical physicians out there question if it's even a real diagnosis. The interesting 
thing about this is, you know, probably be somewhere after your interview talking about neurasthenia, which is a condition that now we understand would be fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, but it was in the late 1800s to early 1920s. No, really? And it's fascinating if you ever, I'll get the podcast later, it's very interesting reading about it because they didn't have the information that we do now, at least with fibromyalgia, understanding how the functional MRI imaging, looking how the brain works. But these were the same descriptions of people like yourself could have had a heart attack. They could have had syphilis or influenza, long haul COVID. Uh, often there was a lot of people who were struggling with high levels of brain work who were stressed out in the industrial age where it was never anything so stressful as the late 1800s, transitioning from a more agrarian world to more industrial, more sedentary type jobs and different stresses that came along, childbirth, raising children, all of these different, quote, triggers. And there were many of them back then. In fact, there were so many different triggers that started to die out because nobody could find a real problem. And it went dead for 100 years until more recently an understanding of the complicated how the brain processes senses and and they started blaming patients and calling them hysterical the word hysteria with women and imagining things hypochondriacs and overlapping with that but that's hope with your book of poems is to get a chance to put the feeling and the meaning of what it's like to be living with this and to help people understand what they're going through, or they're not alone. Any other thoughts that you have? Just to say, once again, the name of the book is Naked Realities, and it's not under Martin Keo. It's by The Missing Neighbor. And if you also look up The Missing Neighbor on Facebook or Instagram, I put up a new poem every week there. And so you can follow me there. And so a little community is formed on my Facebook page. So, sure. Yeah. We'll have links to that in the show notes. And... And fibromyalgia is often this bi-directional illness, multi-directional, so many things impacting and chronic fatigue syndrome, so many things impacting. But hopefully this podcast can be bi-directional. And yeah. if you are a listener out there who has just felt inspired or at least connected or listened to by this, I'm sure Martin would love to hear from you and that your poem has had an impact that the fact that you wrote a book of poems. I'm not aware of any other book that was written with poems about this. So you might be the first. Naked Realities was seen by this amazing photographer, Barry Shapiro. And he got both very excited and also very upset at how the medical world isn't honoring these diseases well. And so he's going around and taking portraits of people with MECFS. It is at work, in their wheelchair, in bed, where they're comfortable being photographed. And the poems and these portraits are going to turn into an exhibit that go around, first of all, to the big research institutions where these things are being looked at, and then to museums and universities to hopefully just honor those people who are dealing with these conditions to say you're not alone and then to help other people realize the reality of living with these chronic illnesses. So I'm just so excited that this book, this little book that I made is growing into this much bigger exhibit that hopefully will make a bigger impact in the world. I am 
so glad I got a chance to interview you. And I didn't know that. And I'm glad that you shared that important aspect because you don't know the impact this is going to have. You're writing poems by yourself, to yourself. Maybe your wife read a few of them and somebody catches this and now can hopefully help bring the humanity of people who are living with this and understanding to some degree using the power of words. And I think you did an awesome job. And thanks for reading the poems. I highly encourage those of you who have not gotten the book yet to check it out. I think you will grow in your appreciation and understanding with those. But thank you again for coming on to the podcast. And any other last questions you wanted to share? That was a big one I had to hit the record button for because it's, wow, I didn't know that. That's incredible. Maybe if there's any uh, links to that any of the exhibits if they have or to that photographer who's putting that together that would be helpful yeah because maybe somebody will be it'll be in one of the cities nearby and have you been asked to be on any tv shows of any kind or news programs or documentaries not yet not yet but it right now it is called the missing neighbor exhibit because it's this whole idea of the millions missing and the people who aren't seen because they're just too ill to go out. So it's our missing neighbor. I remember my mom sharing that there was the spouse, one a wife of somebody who would always go to these 4th of July get-togethers growing up and said, oh, she's claustrophobic and she doesn't come. She has tons of with that. And I always wondered, who is that missing neighbor? In a sense, this she was, quote, the missing relative who wasn't showing up at the 4th of July get-togethers. And it always puzzled me as a young child growing up what is that? And getting a chance to help understand. So the missing neighbor, the missing relative, the missing co-worker who went on disability and whatever happened to them, never saw them back and often have a hard time even talking about what they're going through to people because they maybe receive a lot of stigma. And I think your book of poems does a great job. Hopefully more and more people can get a chance to read it and their loved ones can read it can get great insight into what they're going through so we'll have those links in the show notes and thanks so much for taking part of your time i know you have limited times and it's part of why it took some time to get it this interview connected but it's such a pleasure to have and i wish you and your family and grandkids all the best and hope that you can get farther up that canyon and maybe get to the top and get closer to where you were before all this heart attack had happened as well. And Michael, you are a wonderful, open-hearted interviewer, and I thank you for having me. Great. Show your support for Martin by checking out Naked Realities. Speaking of support, if you have enjoyed this and the other podcast episodes, take a minute to write a five-star review and rating. That way, others like yourself who were previously unaware, there was a podcast by a medical doctor offering evidence-based support and compassion through learning more about these often very frustrating conditions. Also get a sense of community by hearing from others. I recognize that there is a broad spectrum of listeners with fibromyalgia and related problems from those living in recovery or mild symptoms to those who are gravely impacted like Martin. If you have not gotten a chance to listen to the other podcast episodes, please do. Also hit the like, subscribe, and follow buttons and share with others. Until next week, go 
Team Fibro. 